It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm JC Sherbert. He's Phil Mullinax. JC is still. Am I in? Are we You're good? In. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, good. Did, did, I am still battling through the flu. I think that's what it was the flu. Um, better today. Uh, kind of got some sleep, sweated it out last night, whatever. You, you feel when you're sick, you get under the covers and you wake up and there's buckets of sweat all over you. But you've been, yeah, you got to change the sheets. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you've been cold all night. It's like, ah, oh, it's miserable. About four o'clock this morning, I woke up and my t-shirt was extremely wet. I'm not wearing it now. Uh, <laughs> but, but I will say this, I was, I, I was not going to wear that particular shirt today anyway, <laughs> because I'm going to wear it the day before the opener. Uh, it's a little, little, little surprise for you. That's right. I've got mine sitting in the uh, yeah, sitting in the bedroom now. Yeah, yeah. It's a little funny. But anyway, uh, happy uh, you guys have joined us. We did have a morning monologue this morning. It was a little late uh, where I kind of get into the Spencer Rattler situation. Uh, hour number one, of course, brought to you exclusively by Cindy Searfoss, realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane. You'll hear the commercial. Please let Cindy know that if you have any real estate needs in the upstate. Several of you have bought your houses. Uh, through Cindy and sold your houses through Cindy. We certainly appreciate all of that. So um, anyway, uh, we've got Jamie Bradford coming up uh, and uh, he will be in the second hour as normal on Wednesdays. Uh, looking forward to catch up with JB. He's got a lot of things to say today. Uh, so that's going to be good. The poll question is up uh, both on the bigspur.com and on our Twitter channel. Uh, and wanted to just read, it's real simple this time. It is uh Simply, which team on the schedule will have the toughest defense? And and Phil, I only put two choices: Clemson or Georgia. Those or, are the obvious ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or other uh, Tigers are tracking at about seventy percent right now, both on Twitter and thebigspur.com. Uh, so Nana Sports chat line, if you have an answer, is it be Clemson or Georgia or other? Uh, I I said other because I you know Texas A and M could have a good defense. Uh, I think they're quite young uh, to rank them kind of up there with a Clemson or or even a Georgia who will have to replace a lot of parts, but they still have some guys that have played a lot of football coming back. Uh, Florida is very thin on defense, but they're always fast and athletic. I think they could overachieve. Uh, Kentucky always has a pretty stout defense, but they're replacing some guys. Uh, They got good linebackers coming back at Kentucky. So maybe Kentucky could be a team that you talk about. Tennessee expectations are not high on defense. Uh, the expectation with Missouri is that their defense will be improved, but not that great. Same with Vandy. Uh, so I looked around the schedule, and I was like, oh, shoot, dude, who? Uh, SC State, Charlotte, Georgia State aren't expected to be defensive juggernauts uh, at their level. So uh, I really uh, I really couldn't think of anybody, Phil, besides Cle- the, the two rivals, Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because both of them are changing coordinators this year. So, you know, yeah. see what product they put on the field. Yeah, I know they got talent, but you know, are they going to be able to utilize it as well as they did last year, respectively? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. So, yeah, to to do now, now the Georgia coordinator thing, Phil. Well, <laughs> I'll just drop in a little scoop here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you know Dan Lanning made the calls right, mm-hmm. but 
little birdie told me Muschamp and Kirby and Glenn Schumann and those guys, it was all, it was kind of a team effort defensively last year at Georgia from a coordinator standpoint. Of course, Lanning is now at Oregon and we'll see kind of what kind of coach he's going to be. He's got a, a big rep, uh, almost got to Oklahoma uh, gig. Uh, it went to Brent Venables, but then he took Oregon. Uh, so we'll see, you know, I, I think with Clemson, obviously you're promoting a guy uh, from an off the field position to an on the field position. That's going to happen more and more uh, these days as uh, off the field staffs get sort of built out. Uh, but uh, Clemson people love Godwin. Goodwin. I guess it's Wes Goodwin. Goodwin. Yeah. No. Uh, and a lot of coaches from around the country think he, he's kind of a genius. So, and, and I thought he called a good game in the bowl. So, We'll see. I, I know that, like, stud talent-wise, I'd go with Clemson uh, slightly because uh, I do think Georgia's got a lot of future NFL guys. The, the question is, you know, anything they do this year defensively, Phil, uh, is probably going to – I mean, there's no – they're not going to replicate last year um, no. where they just – it was it was one of the best defenses I've seen uh, since I've been following college football. so Yeah, and that's what even Phil Steele says. They're still going to be good, but what, six points a game worse than they were last year? Yeah, which means they yeah. give up yeah. six, 16 a game. Yeah. So I, I, I take that. I don't know. And, and I, I think the game, you know, and, and you look at Arkansas, I think a lot of people think they're not going to miss a beat. But man, it's just hard with three starters, three, four starters coming back for me to predict. Uh, and that wasn't a dominant defense last year at Arkansas either. They had some really good games and then some games where, you know, they gave up a lot of points. So uh, we'll see sort of what happens there. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Kentucky. Mark Stoops, man. <laughs> Stoops, Stoops is angry at the world right now. Man. He woke up and chose violence here lately. <laughs> Stoopsy. All right. So, uh, you know, they've been having this whole back and forth with Coach Cal and Mark Stoops up there and Calipari just basically threw the football program at Kentucky under the bus and said, we're a basketball school. I need a $200 million facility, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Their, their practice facility is like 15 years old, which is, I guess these days maybe that's old. But, I mean, Kentucky basketball, I mean, it's the, it's the pride of the SEC, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and for a guy that – during the pandemic here, and a lot, and a lot of look, North Carolina and Duke struggled during that year too. Uh, but nine and sixteen with a bunch of talent, yeah. and then and then last year, you know, there are two, and they go down to the Peacocks of St. Peter's. You know, the best team he had lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. You know, uh, those Wisconsin guys probably, uh, you know, player for player did not match up with UK. Uh, so I think it's safe to say Cal's underachieved a little bit relative to the talent he's got. Yeah. But that also shows you that the one and done thing, if you do it often or, you know, do it every year, you know, it can come back to bite you. So there's this back and forth there. So then yesterday, I think it's on uh, Marty and McGee. Um, yeah, they were Stoops, running through all the coaches through the SEC. You know, yeah. and that was filmed at media days too. So that was fresh so off the, of that video. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Stoops, he, Stoops decides to take a shot at Shane Beamer. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know, it's hard to change the culture. You can change the climate. Um, and he's like, you can change the climate by putting on a stupid pair of sunglasses and doing whatever. Um, okay. So <laughs> let, let, let me unpack this here. Mark, Mark, okay. So Mark Stoops has done a good job at Kentucky. No, no, no. Uh, I, I think 
the secret sauce up there has been their recruiting. Uh, like, look, keep in mind, Rich Brooks and Joker Phillips most years took Kentucky to a bowl. You know, they have a built-in schedule formula that they use. You know, people people ask, well, who's the school? What are the schools that <coughs> – excuse me, guys. <clears throat> That's going to happen a couple times a day. Uh, who are the schools that are against going to nine conference games? Well, you know, South Carolina is one of them. They, they like to keep it at eight and because uh, they got some games scheduled against Miami and Virginia Tech and NC State, North Carolina coming up. Um you know, you, you've got uh, the Missouris of the world and the Ole Misses of the world that have weird road games scheduled. I think uh, I think Missouri's going to Miami of Ohio. <laughs> yeah, they, they play anybody anywhere. They don't care. Uh, Ole, Ole Miss, I think, goes to Georgia State, and they go to Tulane. Um, they go to Georgia Tech this year. Uh, so we got, uh, you know, you, you, you've got those schools that, that have their reasons to stay at eight because they've worked hard scheduling, and then you got the ones that want to go to nine that think they're indestructible. <laughs> and we'll see what they, they go uh, five and seven. Uh, you know, again, and they, they you took take a couple of L's and don't make a bowl. People are going to get mad. But anyway, uh, Kentucky's schedule is always set up the same. Three cupcakes in Louisville. And Louisville hadn't really been that great. Right. Yeah. So it's really four cupcakes. And then they're in the east, not the west. You get to play Vandy every year, whatever. So I get it. You know, I mean, he's won 10 games to uh, two out of the last four years. Uh, won eight and five and won the, the Mayonnaise Bowl. Uh, I think it was the Mayonnaise Bowl. It was Belt Bowl or whatever mm-hmm. uh, with a receiver at quarterback. Uh, he, he's a good coach. I mean, he's done a great job. I personally think uh, when Iowa opens, when Kirk Ferentz hangs it up, and this has been alluded to a couple of times, he'll probably take the job at Iowa, his alma mater, uh, just because winning there, it, it's always going to be easier than at Kentucky. Uh, you know, and, I mean, the only coach to really win there uh, big was Bear Bryant. And nobody, people, people, don't, people forget Bear Bryant coached at Maryland and Kentucky uh, before going to AM and then ultimately Alabama. But, uh, you know, so so all credit in the world to him. And I think from a South Carolina standpoint, because he's 7-2 and two against the Gamecocks uh, in his career at Kentucky, uh, even one of the games that Carolina won back in 2013, Gamecocks were beating him pretty good. Kentucky comes all the way back. And uh, that, that Kentucky team didn't win a single SEC game. Uh, and it was 35 28 in 2013, so it was, it was kind of one of those weird games. Uh, and so, um, all credit to him, but I do think the Gamecock fans and have sort of an outsized uh viewpoint about what this guy's really accomplished. Uh, he has raised the level since uh, Rich Brooks and Joker Phillips. Um, I think his recruiting plan, uh, because you know, under, under Brooks and Phillips. Kentucky would go into the Carolinas. They would go into Florida. They would go hit the JUCO ranks, uh, and especially to go into Georgia and then fight for in-state talent, what little bit there is in Kentucky. Uh, and they'd evaluate and develop and, and get to six, seven wins. But there was, there's a ceiling doing that. What Stoops has done is, okay, instead of going completely after second through fourth tier talent uh, in major producing states, we're going to still recruit those guys. But we're also going to go make very good evaluations around the country. I mean, the, the DN that they had drafted early 
couple of years ago was committed to Monmouth, a uh, kid from New Jersey. They flipped him from Monmouth, right? right. Uh, Monmouth. Uh, it's a basketball. <laughs> I didn't even know they had football. How um, ironic. Yeah. He, he, hits, he hits the JUCOs and the portal hard. But what they do is they get uh, kids out of Ohio. And if you look at the NFL numbers, uh, we always think we have the best in the South, and, and we do talent-wise, uh, you know, as far as talent-producing states. Ohio is a huge, what I call, breadbasket for the Big Ten. You know, you look at any Big Ten roster, most of them have kids from Ohio. It's a great football state. Uh, they love football in that state. Lots of good, good, good uh, talent comes out of it. So instead of going south, uh, and Lexington's close to Cincinnati and close to Ohio, as close as SEC school. Uh, they've called in the connections with Vince Morrow and uh, uh, some assistants and Stoops himself from Youngstown, and they get a boatload of Ohio kids in there. And those are the kids that we see on New Year's Day, Phil, playing for Michigan State, Iowa, and uh, Wisconsin or whoever, beating an SEC team in a bowl, and, and you think they have no business doing it. But those are the kids he's been getting. So – he has improved the roster, but uh, let me just point this out, Phil. Uh, all right, so uh, you follow Tennessee pretty closely. I know you have some relatives in yeah, Tennessee. Family fans. ties there, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, would you say that 2013 to 2021 has been the golden glory era of Tennessee football? I, I'm pretty sure, you know, the Vols would rather forget some of those years. <laughs> yeah, all right. No. So, so during this, during Stoops nine years at Kentucky, Tennessee is seven and two against them. Okay. He won one game by a field goal when Tennessee had an interim head coach down the stretch, um, 29, 26. And then the pandemic year, they went into Neyland and beat them pretty good, and then that went away last year because Tennessee beat them again. <laughs> Jer Jeremy Pruitt won twice against him. Uh, Butch Jones, champions of champions life. Champions of life. Undefeated uh, <laughs> against them. Uh, I believe Derek Dooley was 2-1 and one against Tennessee, against Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, lost one game, 10-7, and that broke a long losing streak. Tennessee <laughs> has owned them. Mm -hmm. Right during this whole big Stoopsy era, right? <laughs> T Tennessee's owned them. Florida's beaten them pretty good. Uh, Georgia, I don't think he's scratched against those cats. I mean, uh, let's not just because he's had a way to beat South Carolina and a lot of those games, Phil, he's found a damn way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Will, you know, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been, they've been very close last year, you know. Carolina doesn't have butterfingers and then drop passes and stuff toward the end, you know, Carolina could have won that one easily. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're talking about a team that in the Gamecocks at the time was struggling uh, versus Tennessee. I mean, versus Kentucky, a team that went on to beat LSU and beat Florida and win 10 games. Uh, could have dropped that one. Uh, did get run out of the stadium in 2019 against Muschamp's last full team. Uh, 2018, if Jake Bentley had not had his worst game up there, I think Carolina would have won. Uh, 2017 was a disaster for South Carolina yeah. with Devo getting hurt and all that, but it still wasn't a blowout. You know, you, you, you look back through the years, 2016 in Knoxville. Uh, Gamecocks go up there uh, and, and with no offense, no receivers, nothing, and it's a 17-10 game. If they hadn't had a stupid penalty on a punt, uh, Carolina could have easily won that one. 2015, Kentucky comes down, gets off to a big start. Spurrier pulls the trigger and puts in Perry Orth uh, and a late turnover 
um, you know, hurt it, hurt the Gamecocks. Yeah, you know, and otherwise they'd come back and won. A 2014 Carolina blew a two-touchdown lead uh, in Lexington for, for whatever reason. Uh, that was the defense kind of collapsed. And the offense didn't, didn't do much to help them out, although they, I think Carolina ran for like 300 yards in that one, uh, 45-38. So let's not pretend like, you know, South Carolina has been getting clubbed in the head like a like a baby seal uh, <laughs> against Kentucky. Uh, and, and when I talk about, you know, program versus team, you know, versus job, you know, number one, the South Carolina job is better than the Kentucky job. Uh, I, I'll, say, I'll, I'll just straight up, uh, it's better than the Kentucky job. You know, uh, the Gamecocks job is probably middle of the pack SEC. Uh, maybe a little lower sometimes. All right, so the job's better. The program right now, you'd have to give an edge to Kentucky uh, just because they've been very consistent under Stoops, going to bowls, four straight bowl wins. Um, but I'll tell you this, you know, it's not that far off. You know, Shane Beamer is in his second year. Mark, Mark Stoops is in what? It'll be his 10th? Yeah, I think this is uh, his 10th season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have that kind of longevity uh, and you've had the turnover South Carolina has, because this streak, Kentucky's own, against the Gamecocks, the seven and two, it started under Steve Spurrier, you know, yep. I mean, it went all the way through the Muschamp era and then with Beamer last year, losing the game. Um, so it's close. I, I think if you're talking about whose program is better right now, you'd have to say Kentucky because they, they, there's evidence for that. Uh, South Carolina's seven and six last year. Um, and team, I don't know that during these seven wins, Kentucky ended up with a better team than South Carolina. Uh, any any of the time, I think Kentucky's going to be probably really solid this year, like they normally are. Uh, but if I looked at both rosters and, and said who's got the better team this year, and all this will be determined long before the game guys go to Lexington. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you know, it's very much up for debate. Okay, so let's not talk crap, right? About. Uh, <laughs> Uh, about South Carolina, if you're Mark Stoops, especially Shane Beamer. I mean, you know, I guess South Carolina recruited Dane Key last year out of Lexington. He ended up signing with Kentucky because his dad went to Kentucky and he's a Kentucky kid. But look, man, I, I didn't hear – I mean, Justin Stepp was his recruiter, and Justin Stepp's not a negative recruiter at all. I know exactly how he kind of approaches it. Um, after Kentucky won at williams Bryce. Uh, I think they FaceTime. He was on a visit, and they FaceTime their staff FaceTimed him from the locker room or whatever, celebrating. So, you know, who 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 was kind of throwing a little bit of jabs in, in that recruitment, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and so I don't I don't really know where that's coming from. Uh, I'm not familiar with any kind of beef that Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops has have. But you got to be careful, man. You're the head coach at Kentucky, not Alabama. <laughs> uh, you know, and, yeah. and if you look at the reality, I think that all of us, you know, affiliated with South Carolina have this immense respect for the guy, you know, because he's, you know, South Carolina beat Kentucky like 10 straight. Uh, it was, it was chalked up as a win every single year. Um, well, now, you know, that, that the tide has turned definitely. Oh, yeah. But let's not act like this guy's you know, mopping up against some very mediocre teams uh, that he's faced year in and year out, uh, especially Tennessee. So that's my take on that one. I, I think that uh, 
you know, be careful who you, you don't poke the bear, right? <laughs> uh, so be careful, be careful how you do it. Um, you know, and, and all that, all that. So let's go. All right. Nana's porch chat line obviously has a lot to say about it. Going to rock back here. Rob, he says, guys, finally able to catch a live show. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Good to see you, Rob. Joining in. Craig says, happy Wednesday. The Mac and Dino podcast. Hey, guys, I don't know if you guys talk much about TJ Sanders, but he's been getting high praise from everybody since spring. Yes, uh, and actually I have. He's uh, They're going to be able to rotate six at D-tackle, uh, and a lot of it, Sanders, I've, I've heard since like last year, last fall, um, I started hearing about him, and Beamer actually mentioned him and said he came on on the scout team and stuff. Uh, another D-lineman out of D-line heaven. Uh, yeah, right out Mar- of is, is a Marion Swamp Fox, <laughs> baby. Uh, Big so yeah, too, man. Six, yeah, five, 300, what they got him listed at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- and I think, and he was a basketball kid too. So he's yep. very athletic. Uh, I think by the time 2023 rolls around, we're, we're going to be talking about TJ Sanders probably a lot more uh, than we are. Um, Jan says, good morning. Good morning, my friend. I know Jan a little bit. Uh, Jan uh, can build one hell of a uh, tree out of beer cans at a baseball tailgate. <laughs> so he, he he's the man. Excellent skill. I love Jan. He's great. Uh, Macadino says again, this staff is developing talent at a rate where I can see us having major success. Yes, and uh, mm-hmm. that's exactly what T.J. Sanders was—a developmental guy. And if you don't develop those guys, they end up being uh, not good. So <laughs> you got to develop it. Uh, John says, "Morning from Bellingham, Washington." Uh, good morning out in the Pacific Northwest. Jan says. Uh, again, a couple shots of rock and ride would have done the trick. Talking about the flu, <laughs> man, I can't even. Uh, I can't even. I mean, I can't imagine drinking liquor as sick as I was yesterday. And I don't. I don't drink. I don't drink liquor all that much. Alex says he cringed when he typed Clemson in as the best defense. Uh, Quantrell says I hope we hang fifty on Kentucky. Uh, after that sick, slick comment from Stoops, seems like Beamer is agitating the competitors, and I love mm-hmm. it. I think it's not bad if you're at South Carolina to be agitating, but you got to back it up. That's right. Well, I like that uh, he doesn't have to say anything to get under their skin, too. It's like he's just, no. yeah, he just does. He's just himself. Like Eli Drinkwitz, <laughs> somebody's gonna hang half a hundred on him and be throwing in the fourth quarter at some point because he <laughs> right. he openly talks smack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he it's, it's funny because you talk about who's the biggest smack talker or all that interviewer or interviewer or whatever so some would probably say oh Lane Kiffin was that guy but Lane Eli Drinkwitz makes Lane Kiffin look like um, <laughs> Lou Holtz respecting you know when, when Lou gets out there he's like I just want to say this the Iowa A&M punt team is elite. We're gonna have we're gonna struggle right now. We're struggling in the punt game if we don't go out there and play physical. Um, also says the wheels are about to fall off at UK, and Stoops knows it. You hate to see it. Uh, Daddy O, football's coming fast, boys. Uh, he also says, and Craig says Stoops was butthurt because Beamer got all the run at media days. Probably so. Please respect me, Nag. <laughs> I mean, look, I've never even known any of the stoops to have thin thin skin. No. Especially Mark. He's kind of boring. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he's maybe he he maybe he's just sitting there. And look, again, you're at Kentucky. So <laughs> again, you know, 
like 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 the who was it? Now, Austin said the wheels are about to fall off. Everybody's waiting on that, you know. And, and it's your own fault you didn't take Florida State. Uh, it's your own fault you didn't get another job if you start losing there. I mean, because it's hard. That's a hard job. It's tough, and as you but, know, even more and more programs in the East start picking themselves back up. It's going to get harder and harder. Yeah, and 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 it like I said, South Carolina is a better job. I you can ask any coach out there. Would you rather be at South Carolina or Kentucky? Uh, people will say South Carolina, you know, it, it, with all things being equal. Um, Daddy O says 95% of Kentucky fans would trade an Eastern Division football championship for a basketball national championship this school year. Yeah. yeah and and I, <laughs> you're not wrong, but I, I will say this. And um, Mike Morgan's wife is a Kentucky person, and, and Mike's been to that stadium many times calling games and, and the times I've been there too. I will say this, can, you know, because you talk about, gosh, it was Pat Forty who had a column about the blow up with Cal or whatever, and he said there's like eight basketball schools that you could say are basketball schools in Power Five. Um, Kentucky was one of them, but he says Kentucky has better football fans than any of them, and I agree. Um, you know, Kentucky, their football, they 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 Kroger Field or whatever it's called now, mm-hmm. it used to be Commonwealth Stadium. Now it's uh, our friends at Kroger. Well, the state uh, lies in the big football footprint, you know, where it's huge yeah. down here. So it yeah. makes sense that they want a good team, but yeah, they still yeah. trade in that basketball. I, I agree <laughs> with you there. Um, Craig says Kentucky's beating us on the O and B line with no quarterback play. Sad, and that's true. Yep, that's what's so um, bad about losing to them because it's like for me, it's like watching the fundamentals just you know, like they're just throw, flaunting it in your face. Run the ball and stop the stop run. the run. And <laughs> run the last year, I mean. Everybody talks about the Gamecocks got a bunch of turnovers in that one, but the big stat of the game, 224, I think, to 48. <laughs> Rushing total. Uh, well, and in 2019, the Gamecocks outrushed them, and what happened? They won. Yeah, come away with a win. Imagine that. Sometimes this game is just so simple, JC. <laughs> if you run the ball and play physical. <laughs> Thank you, Lou, Dr. Yeah. Lou, whatever. Rob says he hates Tennessee Vols. He lives in Tennessee. He's from Darlington with Darlington with Brian Scott. Very difficult being a Gamecock living in Tennessee. I'm going to the Vanderbilt game this year. I I lived in Tennessee 05 to 07, and then 2011 to 2015, Nashville. Nashville is a little bit more of a blend. You know, you uh, East Tennessee, yeah, you're going to get – that's an orange fog as well. That's, that's Rocky Top, Yeah. <laughs> Daddy O says he spent many summers in Darlington. Roddy says, Good morning, guys. Kentucky forgets last year's game. If you'd had somewhat of an offense, you could have won. I agree. Yep. Add a good quarterback. We win that game. Rob says he misses the PD, married a girl from Tennessee. I'm afraid I will never make it back home. Yeah, that's the beauty of my situation, Rob, is that I'm going back. (laughs) I, I, I don't, and she's on board. You know, I live in the worst state in America. Illinois, <laughs> top it's five at least. Horrible. Yeah. It's it's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> um, and you know, and and look, I, the one good thing there's good things about the weather, bad things about the the good thing about the weather is uh, for the rest of August, it's not supposed to get above eighty up here. Ha. Yeah. And uh, there are four distinct seasons. There's not a lot of a spring, but fall's very pleasant. I mean, it's sweatshirt weather from September on, and then. Oh, in November, it gets bitterly cold. You want to just never want to go outside. But uh, anyway, I understand what it means to want to come back home. Uh, and, and like I said, I, 
I lived in Nashville seven years twice, uh, like seven together. Uh, and and I love Nashville's a great place to live. Uh, and the state that the state of Tennessee actually is a good state compared to Illinois, uh, and really Georgia too. I've lived in Georgia before. I, I like Tennessee a lot better. However, I'll say this: uh, it, it's nothing like home. Nothing like home. Um, Jan says one of the biggest letdowns of my life is I drove to Ike's Corner in Sparkle City uh, a couple of weekends ago, and they were closed for a week. Had to settle for the Beacon. So that's that there. Uh, also, Clint wanted to point out about Phil's shirt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil's shirt is a Fletch reference. It is a Fletch reference. I'm with the Underhills. <laughs> Fletch, yeah, Fletch is amazing. That's one of the most underrated movies there is. Oh, All right. right. We got to take a break here. Uh, bottom of the hour break. Don't forget Jamie Bradford coming up later. Going to continue to rock the Nana Sports chat line. Uh, also, the our chat box. I got to say chat box. Um, the chat box. Uh, we're also going to uh, go to the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Jamie's got a lot of good things to say later. So stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Welcome back, everybody. We're back. We're back. We are back. Um, Ed says, when I move, will Cindy Searfoss be my realtor? Yes. Yes. <laughs> if I move to the upstate, if I move to the upstate, you know, there's mm. lots of destinations uh, on the table. <laughs> uh, possibilities. Lots of possibilities. We haven't really gotten that far along. Still got... Uh, two kids in high school, so you gotta gotta kind of wait um, for uh, for those guys. You know, I mean, they've lived up here their whole lives. You don't just plop a teenager down at uh, down at uh, in a new school, in a new area, new part of the country. You know, it's getting scary for those guys. Yeah, so, got to be a tough adjustment. There. I'll sacrifice it. I'm in South Carolina plenty, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, Daddy O says, "Wait a minute, no, Jan, I want I want to do this." Uh, I want to say, Jan says, one of the biggest letdowns of my life is I drove to Ike's Corner Grill in Sparkle City a couple of weekends ago, and they were closed for a week, had to settle for the beacon. That's an interesting uh, debate in Spartanburg. Like, like mm. you know, I, and I love the beacon, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as hamburger cheeseburgers go, Ike's has probably got them beat. I like Ike's burger better. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. Now, overall uh, experience, like, if someone was visiting Spartanburg from out of state mm. or had never been to the Berg before, I'd probably take him to the Beacon before Ike's. Yeah. Uh, just because th- there's that experience, the ambiance yeah. there. It's iconic. Well. Yeah. It yeah. is an mm. icon, but mm. uh, Ike's is definitely, uh, they do have a tasty burger. Queasy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Harrison said if you had competent quarterback play, South Carolina would have a two game winning streak against Kentucky, South Carolina by a touchdown. Uh, all that good stuff. So, anyway, 
<laughs> Lots of talk about Mark Stoops today. And uh, so, and thank you for those that participated on the Nana's Ports chat box. We're going to check back in with you a little bit. Don't forget, Jamie Bradford is coming up uh, in the next hour. Uh, so, uh, anyway, there we go. Um, and I have consulting mailbag is, uh, has got several, uh, questions in it. So we'll talk about that in a second. What I want to talk about now though, Phil's turnovers. Okay. And I wanted to point out because I've seen this mentioned, right. And I think the Nana sports chat box had it. And, uh, one guy said it, uh, and I also think that, um, I think it was during Jamie's segment last week. Uh, and then some other people on the big spur have mentioned it. Some people mentioned it to me. Uh, Carolina was very good at forcing turnovers last year, right? Uh, and as they were in 2017. Now, let's not confuse the, the years. This was Muschamp's – 2017 was Muschamp's second year. Okay, not his first. Uh, the Game Pass won nine games. Those turnovers helped them win those nine games. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if it weren't for those, maybe they wouldn't win one nine, but uh, they could get the ball off people. I'll remind everybody – then in 2016, my was first year, Gamecocks were pretty good at forcing turnovers that year, too. So it was a, kind of a two-year thing. Well, then 2018 happens, and, it, you know, a lot of lot of hype and expectations for the 2018 team because a new offensive coordinator and, you know, nine wins the year before. They had gone from three to six to nine under Westchamp. Uh, won the Outback Bowl against Michigan. Uh, that game also was turnovers, right? Uh, so... Uh, I believe that, that uh, you know, when you looked at that, you, you go into 2018, all of a sudden that defensive unit wasn't getting the turnovers. And so despite the fact they had a better offense than, than maybe they used to, that they weren't doing uh, well, uh, obviously defensively. And then injuries were massive at the end of the of the year. And we all saw what happened against Clemson in <laughs> uh, 744 yards. Uh, and it was just a disaster personnel-wise, okay? Um, here's the difference between Muschamp's third year and the expectations and Beamer's second. Uh, I think that it, everything comes down to personnel, right? And I think the mistake I made, Phil, in 2018 was this. Uh, and I'll admit I made this mistake. I felt like, okay, in 2016, the Gamecock defense, it was Muschamp's first year, right? Threw it together with bubble gum and masking tape. And yeah, right, yeah. It yeah, wasn't even duct tape. <laughs> yeah, if you remember the last two games that year against Clemson and South Florida in the bowl, uh, Gamecocks gave up about 100 points. <laughs> uh, translation, that unit, most of the year until there was a lot of film out on them and people could kind of figure out what they were doing because that happens, you know, uh, the more film you get, the more it's hard, the more, the more you can't just line up and out scheme people, you know, cause cause people get tendencies. They know what you're doing. They can break down your personnel. You're banged up, whatever. But that to me more so than 2017 where they stayed healthy most of the year. Uh, with uh, some exceptions. Bryson Allen Williams got hurt that year against Kentucky. But they stayed pretty much healthy. And uh, guys like Dante Sawyer as a senior, Taylor Stallworth as a senior, uh, Sky Moore, you know, those guys were were good players, and they lost them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the mistake I made was, okay, they're going to be younger on defense. They're going to have 
uh, you know, find some defensive linemen because at that point, I think Ken Law was in his first year. Yeah, first year. And, you know, the, or third, second year. He was in the second year. I think he was hurt most of the year. DJ Wanham was hurt most of the year. Or, or Ken Law had a nagging injury, right? Yeah. And so the turnovers didn't come. And so what happens when, you know, with that, when, when that happens, the turnovers don't come, you're not going to be a very good defense. And so the mistake I made was, and a lot of people make this mistake, oh, well, must have such a defensive genius. It, it'll it'll be fine. They'll at least be decent. And and there were games they were decent, Phil. There were moments that they played well. But, man, that defense that year, what a liability. I mean, it, it was a lot to be desired. Blowing yeah. the game at Florida to – I mean, they almost lost to a 5-7 and seven Ole Miss team. Uh, that was one of those moments. The fourth quarter, the game kind of shut them down out in Oxford. Came back from 10 points down to one. Uh, Tennessee was going up and down the field on them. Um, they just, uh, yeah, I mentioned Clemson earlier. They, they just had trouble stopping people. Virginia, you want to know about Virginia, shut the game guys out in the bowl, 43 minutes time of possession. The game guys could not get off the field. Uh, and I think the mistake I made heading into that year was, number one, assuming everybody would be healthy, because that's that's not good. You should never do that. Uh, and then number two, um, just kind of saying, ah, it'll be all right because of what happened in Muschamp's first year when, you know, they did kind of out-scheme some people. I mean, Phil, that Georgia game, Carolina lost 28-14 uh, on a Sunday. They got moved to Sunday for some reason because of a hurricane. Yeah, I think we had uh, hurricane. Yeah, hurricane. One of those hurricane reschedules. Uh, Georgia ran it up the Gamecocks' throat the first drive. But if you notice, uh, I think Jacob Eason was their quarterback. He went like six for 17 passing. He was just – and the Gamecocks sold out, stopped the run, slowed the run, and it gave him a chance. They did not win the game, but it gave him a chance. Uh, A&M that year, same way, game they lost, but uh, the, the the defensive scheming was good enough. And then I mentioned earlier, by the time the, the season was over, uh, shoot, I think Western Carolina scored 31. <laughs> uh, by the way, Phil's got some connections to the little school in Cullowee. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a school. Uh, but uh, it just wasn't uh, – I mean, it just wasn't – it was a kind of fool's goal. And I think I assumed that that year. Like, I was, oh, well, Muschamp will take care of it. I'm just – and I just totally focused on the offense because you had Dowdle and Williams and Bentley and, uh, you know, Debo and Brian Edwards and Shai Smith and all these guys. You know, mm-hmm. I think I just assumed. And that was my fault. And, and so never again on that one. Uh, you know, well, and I think um, that's where it became glaringly apparent that you know you can have talented guys on the defense under Muschamp because he recruited well. And you know, I'm looking at the 2018 roster right now. I mean, in the league, in the league, in the league. You know, all of these yeah. guys are playing. You know, are starting <laughs> in yeah. the NFL, but he just couldn't bring it together as a team. You know, on the field, there yeah. wasn't a complete product. Yeah, it wasn't, and, it, and individually. They did a good job uh, developing individual players and getting them ready for the NFL. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a difference between developing players and developing a team. And building a team, uh, right. Yeah, yes. and, and, and you know, Mark Stoops wants to talk about the dang sunglasses and stuff. That's part of team building, right? You know, hey, coach made a funny. Great. You know, yeah. we, 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 we're, we're – yeah, he's one of us, you know. Um but, but I, I look at it, too, also, even if you didn't have injuries on that 2018 defense, Phil, uh, there were guys that went to the league. Some of them may not have been ready yet. Uh, 
you know, I this year's team, I look at it, what were the weaknesses last season? Well, uh, run defense, obviously. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it was on the linebackers. Well, you know, you're replacing Damani Staley with someone faster. You, you are, you know, maybe replacing Brad Johnson with somebody faster. Uh, but, you know, the top three at linebacker right now, Johnson, Kaba, and Green, that's an upgrade from last year. Okay. How much of an upgrade? Who knows? Uh, you have to think Zach Pickens will play more consistently this year. Okay. On the inside. Uh, it may be taboo to say around here, uh, but uh, I think Boogie Huntley, uh, if he goes on to win the starting job on the interior, beats out MJ Webb, I think Boogie will be an upgrade over Jabari Ellis. And I and I, that's nothing against Jabari Ellis. I love the guy. Uh, I think he's a classic example of an overperformer, uh, a guy that loved Carolina and, and put us all into it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a great story. But Boogie, Boogie's big as a house and can move his feet and last year flashed. All right? So I think there could be an upgrade there. Uh, will there be an upgraded end over Enig Barre and Sterling? Uh, I don't think you have the depth he did last year. Uh, I like Strawn as a pure pass rusher better than Sterling, even though Sterling was good at rushing the passer. Uh, and I think Jordan Birch obviously has all the uh, potential in the world, you know, but can they step in and do that? I don't know. Safety again for the 127th straight year of Carolina <laughs> football. Depth is an issue, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Devontae Reed's coming in from Central Michigan. Have heard nothing but things about him being lights out. Yep. Uh, you're going to start Cam Smith, Marcellus Dial, and Darius Rush in, in the secondary. Uh, R.J. Roderick could very well have his best year. You don't give up on him yet, but then there's guys like Nick Emanuare and Peyton Williams and, and some other guys at safety that could step up. Um, there's more depth. I think in terms of guys that can go give you some plays uh, than maybe there was on that 2018 team. So it sets up a lot different, in my opinion. I understand the need sometimes to go and compare, um, you know, things. I mean, just like people always talk about, we were told every year the offensive line is going to be the strength of the team, and then they suck. And that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true at all. I mean, and it goes back to the the must-champ era. Um, 2016, we said that because Will Muschamp said it. Uh, and well, rightfully so, because the rest of the offense that year, you're counting on freshmen, uh, with the exception of Hayden Hurst, who had never played tight end before. Okay. Right. I mean, think about that team, you know, and yes, that offensive line was, was bad. I thought overwhelmed at times, uh, 2017 before the season, when Wolford came in, I thought Wolford would get them better kind of like he did the first time around. Think about 08 to 09. Wolford, uh, 08 offensive lines sucked. I mean, it's a miracle that team won seven games. Uh, 09, a little bit better, right? A little bit better, okay? Incrementally better, yeah. And then you build. And so Wolford got them better in 2017. 2018, if you guys recall, was a good year on the offensive line. South Carolina, uh, go turn on the Clemson tape from 2018. Uh, look at uh, the games. Uh, Jake had a lot of time to throw it. I mean, it was not, uh, you know, there were some, like in 2017, there were some breakdowns because like an A&M late. Uh, but 2018, for the most part, was very solid up front, right? Uh, you know, Tyson Williams in the bowl game decides to dive into a pile where people are standing up. and you know, That's not on the line, right? <laughs> so, so into the 2019, I said, I think I said this, they'll take a step, a little step back up front. 
and they did, but you know, they were kind of hitting miss Phil because you got uh, the Georgia game. They held up pretty well. Uh, the Kentucky game, they held up pretty well, Florida, they held up pretty well. Uh, but uh, some games, certainly they did not. Uh, and and Jalen Nichols uh, was forced into action at right tackle as a true freshman. Uh, that was a mess. So 2020, I, I said I thought they were going to be good, and they were. They were. There were some games where, you know, the defensive line they were facing was just too good. You know, Georgia, A&M, uh, those types of games. But for the most part, you know, they held up pretty well. Uh, you know, and then 2021 – and I think this is the other negative. So, so we're talking like, you know, what are we talking? Like six years of football here? Yeah. So twice in six years, uh, you, you sort of think, think that they're going to be better than they were. Both were first years of a coaching staff, by the way. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously there were expectations. They would be good last year, and they just weren't. And they were confused and whatever, you know. And uh, But they saved their best for last and played well down the stretch. So – uh, I, I think that when you're talking about preseason expectations, uh, it, it's better to just look at, at a season in a vacuum and say, why, what for this day? Don't, don't, you know, don't say, oh, 2016, you're told this. That It's important to know history, right? But that's just what it is, is history. Uh, and you got to maybe look at the players. Now, you maybe think some of these players aren't good. That's fine. I mean, because, hey, we all have our uh, questions and, and, you know, I guarantee you there's going to be some guys uh, that in the scope of our reporting or, or analysis in the preseason, when, when you report on a preseason camp field, you're basically saying, okay, who is going to start for the Gamecocks? It's all about internal competition. Who's getting in the lineup. Thanks. But that doesn't mean, Oh, when they go play Georgia, this guy's going to dominate. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you know, I mean, and, and so I guarantee you, there will be some players this year where you're, you're sitting there watching the game going, this guy's not playing very well. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, he's a five year awesome. guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think so, one of the things that kind of makes it a little different this year is that you, you really only have competition on the O line on one position right now, at least, yeah. if, you know, from what we're hearing, is that right tackle position is the only one that's really up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, everything else is kind of set in stone, but uh, you know, you just cautiously optimistic, man. That's about where I'm sitting on it right now. Yeah, <laughs> it and, looks and, good. Yeah. It'd be better. All those starts, all those you know, seniority. Yeah, we'll and, and, and I think it's a, it's it's almost I don't want to say unfortunate, but uh, it, it's almost one of those things I like. I kind of cringe at because uh, the right tackle jobs, Tyshawn Wanamaker, who I thought. Uh, and, and look, guys, I, I'm not coming down on Dylan Wanham last year. Dylan Wanham had a serious, and I, and I think, I think that's going to be a uh, a topic on tonight's Welcome Home at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Mm. Uh, Dylan Wanham, he, nobody talked about how serious his back injury was, right? And when your back is injured and you're trying to play offensive line, you can't bend and you can't do this. You're not going to play very. Well. Wanamaker got in and played ad- admirably. Was it perfect? No. Uh, but I think Wanamaker's got a lot of promise, and he worked his butt off this year. So it's almost unfortunate that those two guys are battling. Dylan yeah. Wanham, remember, was freshman All-SEC and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. So, I, uh, uh, you know, I think it's almost unfortunate. But, yeah, there's there's a battle going on there, and uh, we'll see who starts. And 
uh, they may rotate. Who knows? Who knows? Because yeah. if, you know, depending on Wanham's back, uh, if you're kind of worried he's going to aggravate it, maybe you don't give him as many reps and you put in Wanamaker or, or vice versa, uh, whenever. I, I think with Wanham, you know, you're not supposed to lose your starting job because of injury. I, and I don't know what Shane Beamer's philosophy is on that, but uh, that, that happens sometimes. So uh, it would all, I, my gut is Wanham will start, Wanamaker will play. If they end up being bad on the interior, then they'll slide. Uh, they could slide Wanamaker inside to take somebody's job, and that's that would be another weird thing because you got Douglas and Gwen, yeah, no, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. who are probably the, the number one candidates to get supplanted. Uh, and you got those guys, and they're they're like six year guys, so, you know, leaders of the team. So it's kind <laughs> of a cool. All right, back to the Nanosports chat box as we wrap up hour number one. Don't forget Jamie Bradford coming up at uh, 1230 for all you guys. Uh, he's got a lot to say. Um, Franklin talks about Steve Wiltfong doubling down on his McLeod and UGA thoughts. Uh, have there been any rumblings on our end that you're aware of? Look, I... <laughs> <laughs> all right. And, and I was going to talk about McLeod next yeah. segment. but I'm It was like, such a big okay. topic. We talked about it before the show. <laughs> yeah. I um, all right, so I can only report like what I'm hearing, right? And when you check on a situation from your contacts, i.e., sources, if you continue to ask them the same question over and over again and you get the same answer, you're almost like the you know ex boyfriend that, that, that can't take no. For, for an answer, right? You just keep going. Don't you want to get back together? No. Don't you want to get back together? No. Want to get back together? No. Um, I've never done that, but I know some people that have. Or, you know, if you're sort of, uh, no, nah, I'm not going to use that example. Anyway, uh, you know, at some point, you're, you're psychotic if you keep doing that. Now, am I questioning Rusty and Wilt Fong and their information? No. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, judging from Rusty's comments, you know, he thinks McLeod's very rare. And, you know, and, and I and I said this yesterday, I understand why Georgia wants him. Yeah. Uh, if you think about that nose tackle position in their defense, you got a kid that's already 320 pounds that can move. What they're thinking is we're going to build him back into Jordan Davis. And, uh, and so for Georgia, maybe compared to a – you know, an LSU, Michigan, whoever else is in the mix for this kid, that's a unicorn, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'll remind everybody that, that they didn't – Jordan Davis was not this big epic recruiting battle, you know. Yeah. Um, and that I understand what they're thinking, and I understand why he's a priority. Um, I'm just not hearing that on South Carolina's end and within the state of South Carolina. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I understand why Georgia's feeling good, I guess, but uh, maybe there's some maneuvering that happens late and, and they get him and that's what they're banking on. But, uh, you know, I can't just sit there and continue to, 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 to badger my contacts and get the same answer over and over again. Are you can't. sure? Are you sure? Now, could, could they end up being wrong? Yeah. I mean, we've seen some big surprises before. I mean, that's we, we've, seen, we've seen, yeah, we've seen it on both ends. I, I mentioned Mo Kaba earlier. There wasn't an NC State or National Insider around. And I think I even joined the Crystal Ball Party for the pack 
that thought he was coming to South Carolina, and he did. <laughs> so uh, Jordan Birch, you know, everybody was uh, on pins and needles about that one. And some other people said LSU, Georgia, whoever. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> he ended up in South Carolina. It took a little while, but he ended up in South Carolina. Uh, and so that's, you know, look, Steve works hard, does a great job, has connections all over the place. Um, you know, I don't know who uh, he's actually talking to. I don't want to because you don't divulge your sources. I'm just saying from like my standpoint um, and Hale's standpoint and everybody on the big spur, you know, we can't just sit there and, and badger these guys uh, or whoever you're talking to, your contacts, over and over and over again, you know, with everything that comes up uh, that another school is reporting. That does not necessarily mean he's coming to South Carolina. I have reason to believe he is. But uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it. Uh, you know, he's been publicly all over the map. Uh, I'll tell you, and I'll spill the beans when he commits. I have reason to believe that it's a bunch of smoke and show <laughs> uh, with him particularly. Now, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I think he's one of those kids that, that loves the, not the attention, because that makes him sound like he's an attention freak or whatever. Uh, I think he loves the process. You know, he loves being out there. He loves keeping everybody guessing. That kind of down, uh, downfall when we're talking about social media and stuff these days, right? And so uh, I, uh, you know, I, one thing I don't agree with Austin, and he, Austin, put this up, Phil, real quick, and I'll, I'll end with this point. Um, at the end there. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I, I do not agree with this. Uh, I think that, you know, like, well, let's say he picks Georgia. I could always see a flip happening back home. But I don't necessarily think, unless the Gamecocks fall flat on their face on the field this year and, and it gets toxic around the program, yeah, right. I, I, I think if he commits to South Carolina, it's over. Uh, it's over. And Ed asked about NIL. We're not allowed to know that, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not supposed to be. <laughs> I'll say I'll say a little bit. I'll say a little bit on him, but it's not it's not as ridiculous as you, you guys may think. I, and I know um, I know my nose is shining a little bit below. It looks like I got something hanging out my nose. That's actually a reflection from the light because my nose is a little wet like a dog. So uh, Austin says if he enjoys the process, he's going to enjoy all of the process. Mm, I don't know. Uh, it depends on what world. If you're talking about the social media world, will he tweet something that'll drive people crazy? Probably. If you're talking about reality, I kind of think if he commits South Carolina, it'll be over. All right. Hour number one of the show is in the books. Jamie Bradford coming up. We'll get his take on all of this on Mark Stoops, on Xavier McLeod, on how camp's going. He's got a lot of good intel. Uh, don't forget about that. Don't forget to vote in our poll question. Best defense the game guys will play this year. The Clemson Tigers are running away with it, Phil. Um, Georgia's second, but I only put two. I only, I, I'm so like not buying anybody else's defense. Yeah. I'm like, well, because I want to put this together. I'm like, it's Clemson or Georgia. That's Is it. it? Yeah, that's right. there. There's an other there too. Um, anyway, keep the Nana Sports chat box rolling. We'll throw Jamie some of your questions later. 
Uh, also, the poll question and all that good stuff will be rocking and rolling. If you get anything else on McLeod, we'll also let you know. Also, I help consulting mailbag at the top of the hour. We will be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Hey, hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Let's say you need catering, you need a food truck, you just need to get some delicious food to feed some people, Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament, uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. Um, okay. Uh, got you some know, good that's a show. We always watch if it's on, by the way. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome <laughs> yeah, back. TV, always watch. <laughs> I watch, you know, I've been in the mood for some Sanford and Son lately. Yeah, that's good. We should, we should probably use that for like bumper music if we ever get it. Bradford Bradford's gonna be mad. There's no bumper music today. We got to get him some Eric Church, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look, sickness has kind of derailed this week. I, yes. I had every intention of doing that. So. That's all anyway, right. Uh, the misses will be out uh, for the next few nights, so I'll have some time to myself. Yeah. Phil, some is, <laughs> Phil is dog watching. Actually. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a show dog, dude. He's got papers. <laughs> It One is a Pomeranian, I, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it is a Pomeranian? Yeah. An older what? one. Older than Red. Oh, my God. I bet that dog's persnickety if it's Red. Red's, Red's a mix. I can, I've never figured out what exactly he is besides Pomeranian. I've, I've asked 10 people. I'll get 10 different answers. Schulte's come up. My mom has, like, 20 different theories as to what which one he is. Like, she was up here a week. I think she was, she was up eight days. I think she had six different theories as to what he was. Um, and all of them had to do with like some dog she had at one point, you know, uh, it was funny. Uh, so I don't know what he is, but a pure blood Pomeranian. But have you ever noticed Phil in the big Lebowski? It's not a Pomeranian. It's a Yorkie. It's a Yorkie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Pomeranian dude. Which I also good. have one of those here at the house now. So oh, I have both. <laughs> uh, there's going to be some little dog, little dog, nothing, nothing, oh, nothing better it. than a good little dog fight. Uh, <laughs> Phil and I have some exciting advertiser sponsor news we'll be sharing with you soon. Yeah, I saw that this morning. The iHealth Consulting mailbag. We didn't even have to reach out for that either, man. That's what, that was interesting. Yeah, they found us. That was awesome. Uh, but I said I was, was going to get to the mailbag when. Um, when we got back. So I am, I am consulting mailbag because we have Jamie coming up uh, at the end of the hour. And if uh, you know, we, we won't have time to get to your questions from the, I help consulting mailbag. Uh, if we don't get to them right now, there's two ways to get in the mailbag. You can uh, tweet to uh, at the big spur pod. You can also send an email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, shout out to our latest follower. Cocky Pickles. That's a hell of a name. Great name, yeah. Hold on. And so he's got a picture of Spencer Rattler and his face on what, what looks appears to be a pickle sandwich, Phil. It was a, yeah, and a sandwich where the bread is pickles. And the bread is pickles. That's uh, if you do, um, I guess, uh, low carb. There you go. Put a pickle on it. That is an Oklahoma headband. Yeah, put a pickle on it. Cocky pickles. So anyway, it's a a good deal there. Um, All right. So uh, anyway, yeah, I own consulting mailbag. Two ways to get into it. Uh, Tweet or email inside the game. at gmail.com. Lots of praise for JB. Lots of praise for the show. Um. You know, Gamecock Pastor, we we always know Gamecock Pastor is going to chime in via the, the mailbag. Says, I don't want to stir the pot. That usually means you want to stir the pot. <laughs> uh, but what the heck? Who yeah, is, stir it up. 
Who does Stoops think he is taking shots at Beamer in his talk with Marty McGee? What in the world is his rationale? Can it possibly benefit him? Is he just still in a bad mood because Kentucky is a basketball school? Uh, probably. I, I chalk it up to that. And I, I also think when you've been somewhere 10 years and, and you feel like you've accomplished things uh, because – he has accomplished no things. Yeah, you, you know, Rodney, <laughs> no respect. Yeah, it's like the Rodney Dangerfield of the SEC. But no, here's the bottom line, dude. Since since he's been at Kentucky, Missouri's won the SEC East twice. As, as he, two really mediocre Florida teams won it in 2015, 2016. Um, the Gamecocks haven't won it, but they won it in 2010, two, three years before he got there, uh, and lost to Kentucky. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the Citrus Bowl is awesome. Uh, it's unprecedented. <laughs> but, you know, the bottom line is you, you may be beating the a couple of those times. You may be in better position. Or maybe if you'd scratch against Georgia. I mean. Not no, drop two games I, to Vandy during that stretch. I'll, I'll remind everybody, too, the Gamecocks have beaten Florida many more times than that, uh, <laughs> recently. And the Gamecocks have beaten Georgia in Athens. <laughs> so, well, regardless of what happens in the game itself, and regardless of, you know, an excellent four-year run for them with four straight bowl wins, then um, honestly, you know, I don't, I don't know about the, uh, you know, the, the the taking shots at Carolina. I just don't. Uh, and, and, and it's not so much making fun of the, the sunglasses or the bit, whatever, because you, you put that out there in your chain beamer, you're prepared for opposing fans and maybe even some coaches to laugh. Um, and that's fine because that's not your audience anyway. Uh, your audience is basically your players, your fans, and recruits. Okay, so that's fine. But uh, the comment he made about culture, and we, we've heard culture around Carolina so much. Every new coach changed the culture. The only one that is yeah. the only one that didn't mention culture was Spurry. He's like, the culture. And he sat there and was like, because Coach Holtz used to talk about we got to change the culture around here. And uh and he's like, Well, I, I talk differently than Coach Holtz. <laughs> so uh, anyway, shout out to the Twitter followers, by the way. We were over a thousand on that account. Awesome. Uh, hard these days to get to a thousand Twitter followers. It used to not be. We used to have follow Friday and all that good stuff, but it's hard now. Uh so shout out to the Hardy Souls that follow us on Twitter. So that, yeah, that's my take on that. You know, we've discussed it. I'm going to get uh, Bradford's take on it though, because I'm sure he's got uh, plenty to say. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> moving forward uh, with that. Um, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And we got two here. Or actually, no, we got, we got three. Chris says possibly a good future segment at some point. So let me start with one. We'll work out royalties. as you get later. <laughs> <laughs> something or nothing. Uh, Mark Stoops takes a shuttle, subtle shot at coach Beamer for media days. Um, is it something or nothing? Uh, I think it's something. I think it's bulletin board material. Uh, I think had he not gone as far as to question culture change and stuff like that, um, as hard as the staff works on that. Uh, and as many like qualified people that understand that as work, you know, that works for coach Beamer. Um, you know, I don't know of too many people in the country, too many coaches that sit there and crap all over Luke Day and Derek Moore. 
uh, as off the field folks. Well, I feel um, like that culture versus climate thing was, you know, like he was sitting in my living room trying to recruit. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, yeah, that's my deal. Yeah, okay. Just trying to, <laughs> just trying to get it done. Um, and he's like, my thought, forget the Georgia and Arkansas game, just whip the cats in October and make the world realize Levis is at best a seventh-round pick. And that Stoops had two good seasons in his irrelevant career. We otherwise relies on a purposely, purposefully awful out-of-conference schedule to inflate his record by one or two wins a season. Hey, Mark, here's to hoping you have more success so you can jump to a better program that's actually a football school, Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know Cincinnati. I mean, I, they love basketball there, too. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I hope Hunter Beamer is on the field after we win the game doing a Fortnite dance in Stoops' wrinkly face. <laughs> wow. That was strong. Chris coming in very strong. Old coming Iowa, in hot. Love it. <laughs> Iowa consulting mailbag. Uh, Justin says, uh, JC, I think you missed my questions when you didn't have a show Friday, so I'll ask you again. What do you like about each of the two new basketball commits, and what do you think of Lamont Paris's recruiting plan so far? Well, I think that they are in-state guys. I think he said he was mm -hmm. going to target the state. I think that when you do what you say you're going to do, that helps. Now, are these guys, you know, these are the types of guys, Phil, that, that sometimes they would end up like, like somewhere else, right, uh, and have good careers. And, you know, Carolina didn't necessarily lose them to, you know, high major programs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I like both of them. I, you know, they're both long guys that are skilled. Uh, Their top 200 players, one's 203, one's 206. Uh, Colin Murray Bulls and Arden Conyers are, you know, two in-state. They're from right there in Columbia. So I I like it. Um, you know, the Gamecocks class right now for 2023 in hoops is 25th overall. I don't know. You know, I'm not – I don't put a lot of stock in those right now. Uh, but I like it. And I like the plan um, to, to, you know, get guys from the state – that can play uh, and develop them if you have to. And then that's uh, kind of the deal there. So I like it so far. Uh, also was going to mention uh, about Gigi Jackson, and I'll, I'll, we'll get with Bradford on this too. You know, Lamont Paris says the other day, uh, Gigi Jackson is a great teammate. He cares about the team. He's fun to be around, all this other stuff. And that's great. Uh, and so that kind of torpedoes some, some out there that said, oh, if Carolina gets Gigi, it's going to be just like Anthony Edwards or Ben Simmons. Uh, of course, Edwards went to Georgia, did not win very much. Simmons went to LSU and had a lot of good players in the supporting cast. They finished 19 and 14, turned down an NIT bid and fired their coach because they were so disappointing. Um, I don't think that's going to be a situation with this. And it's because of who Gigi Jackson is as a human being. Uh, he, he's a guy's team oriented guy. Uh, and to me, when he gets to the league, that's just going to give him a better chance at success, you know. And, and I think I think those kinds of intangibles, especially in basketball, which can sort of uh, devolve into a, a individual sport at times, uh, you know, I, I think that team aspect is going to be good. Um, and number two, Mr. White says, how much debate and care is there among the 200, 247 and other rankings about the rating of a three-star? Do they really care if a player is accurately rated at 88 over an 84? I do know they try to be as accurate as they can with how highly they rate a guy four stars because they will be judged on that come draft day. 
Not as much as there should be, and it's probably a combination of things. Number one, like I said at the top of the show, there's too many three stars, right? Number two, our ranking system at 24-7, we, we couldn't – like my favorite ranking system, this is going to sound like blasphemy, mm-hmm. is from, from Rivals.com. Um, and I can say that because the guys I worked for 24-7, which are now – they're all now in own three, they created that. So – intellectually they came up with it so i don't feel terrible saying it but what they do with that is they like they rank um in in like categories you know in other words three star doesn't have 10 different data points 80 to 89 uh it has three 5.5 um and and i think that gives a clearer picture in terms of oh this 5.7 is close to this 5.8 uh, and then there's 5.9. They're a little bit better, 6.0, 6.1. Uh, and I I like that one better uh, as far as the difference between an 88 and an 84. There's, it's like an accordion. There's too many data points. Uh, I wish what they would do would be to say, okay, you know, here's this team of rankers. We are going to go through and and we're going to decide who all the four stars are going to be, right? And kick, out, kick people down or whatever to three stars when we update the rankings. And then you have another team of, of, of people that sit there and go through all the three stars and differentiate better because it becomes a, a matter of time, too. I mean, you guys, it is a massive undertaking to update rankings in, in football recruiting. Um, and everybody wants to know who's in the top 247, who's a four star, who's a five, that type of thing. So it just becomes a matter of hours in the day. Uh, and now they got to rank the portal, too, and, and that's got to be figured out. So I do have some empathy. Uh, for a lot of these guys. And again, if you're a VIP member of the Big Spur, go check out uh, Hale McGranahan's, uh, I guess, series where he interviews a lot of the 24-7 guys. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, how much debate and care is there? Probably not as much as there should be, and it's just a time thing. It's, just, it, it's, it's not that they don't care, but you have to prioritize in this business. All right, Phil, I'm, I'm going to let you answer this one All before, right. before I get it was having a debate with some friends about which quarterback you would want in a one-game scenario, Connor Shaw or Steven Garcia. My friends took Shaw, but I argued for Garcia. We all agreed Shaw was the better quarterback in his time, but Garcia just seemed to like a big game and to have a, and he was a big-game quarterback, plus the fact he was probably hung over most games, and that makes <laughs> that feat even more special. Garcia also got us to Atlanta. What's your take? Homer away. <laughs> We're playing at home. I'd probably take Shaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to bet against Shaw. Yeah, man. I... <laughs> uh, uh, away, man, you know, maybe yeah. Stephen Warren. Like, St- yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know because I. Uh, what was it? Uh, we opened with East Carolina and Charlotte one year. What yeah, yeah, it was a oh well, twenty eleven. Garcia started that game right, and then, or am I wrong? Uh, Shaw started. Spur, yeah, Spur, yeah. Spur, Spur got a little picked <laughs> off at Steven during the preseason. Yeah. He was like, he's like, and, and, and he announced it on his radio show. He's like, Connor, Connor. And he, it was very hesitant. Connor mm-hmm. deserves to start. He's going to start. So Connor started, and it was not his best game. No, uh, he fumbled finished. a couple times. Garcia comes in there in 56 <laughs> 37. So, um, oh, tough call. I mean, you know, Garcia's going to, you know, the Eastern Conference, you know, or the Eastern Division title. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, but that's a good debate. It's one you could definitely have a few beers over. 
Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> definitely feel that. <sighs> it's tough. I'm going to go with Shaw uh, just because I don't know. And I'm the biggest Steven Garcia defender out there. Like the comment about being hungover all the time, he wasn't. I mean, no. that, that's that's kind of like an urban legend. I'm not saying he was never before a game, but uh, uh, urban legend there. Um, too many times, though, whereas he would be up, he would also be down. Uh, I think with Shaw, uh, even in games where he wasn't really – where he was misfiring. Um, now – let me clarify this. If Steve Spurrier's dialing up his offense only and you don't have any of G.A. Mangus and, and Sean Elliott's zone read stuff, maybe I'd go with Garcia. Uh, but maybe. But Shaw, you know, you, you think even if he has an off day passing or receivers can't get open or they have a good game plan, he's going to get stuff with his legs. And yeah. and he's going to, you know, whereas Garcia can run, don't get me wrong, but uh, he wasn't as lethal as Connor Shaw. So I'd probably still go with Shaw, but I understand the debate. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I would just, for my money, if I'm, if I'm a one game scenario, I'm probably going to do that. So that's, uh, that, that's just kind of my, my thoughts on that uh, with that. And Craig, well, the Nana sports chat line says when you never lose a home game, you have to give it to Shaw. That's true. Yep. Home or away. Phil nailed that. Uh, all right, so that's all there is in the Nana's porch. Uh, I'm sorry, the iHealth Consulting mailbag. Today we got Jamie Bradford coming up. Uh, mentioned that G.G. Jackson thing. Uh, thought that was really interesting. Also wanted to add this, uh, another hoops note that I picked up. You know, a lot of folks around the program think Michi Johnson, the Ohio State transfer uh, at point guard, is pretty good. He's going to have a pretty good year. Keep in mind, he was a top 100 recruit. Uh, things just didn't work out at OSU for whatever reason. Um, you know, and I'm gonna need him too with the loss of Deepa, though. You know, yeah, you're gonna have to have some guard. Play. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, <clears throat> sorry about that, guys. He's got a he's got a good skill set about him. Uh, and I and I think honestly, I think that that's uh, uh, Gigi Michi Daniel Hankin Sanford is a guy to watch. Um, the kid whose name keeps escaping me from the Citadel. Oh, I don't. Well, hold on, I'll just look it up. <laughs> I got I got the basketball recruiting list up right now. Anyway, um, uh, oh Hayden Brown, Hayden Brown. Burn. How do I not remember his name? He's a Burns Rebel. Oh, went, went to Burns High School. Yeah, so uh, I think you know I I think he's a guy. You know. Citadel, not very good at basketball, right? So I think there's a stigma that comes with that. You know, oh, how's he going to play in the SEC? Well, in basketball, there's less of an adjustment. Uh, he played pretty well against some really good teams. Uh, uh, I don't know how – I guess our uh, people that do our basketball transfer rankings aren't too high on him. They rated him a seventy two-star 78. Uh, but he uh, apparently is going to be good. And then the, the freshman that actually – you got to give Frank Martin credit. He left this kid behind, Daniel Hankins Sanford. Uh, so you're going to have probably two freshman forwards uh, getting after it this year um, for the Gamecocks in the paint with Gigi and Hankins Sanford. So that'll, that'll be good. But, uh, you know, they're pushing it. They're getting it together. I, I think uh, 
uh, I thought that uh, note there uh, on Michi was good. You got to have a point guard. Um, you know, you got kind of some off guard types. Uh, you also have Jacoby Wright coming back. Um, but if Michi can play at a high level, uh, you know, look out. I think, uh, you know, because then all of a sudden you're talking about having a lottery pick as a forward, a promising freshman as a forward. Josh Gray, athletic, he could be as good as he wants to be. Hayden Brown could be a glue guy. You're going to miss Diva, uh, but I think you got, uh, you know, Chico Carter and those guys can really help. So we will see what happens there. My, my whole point with basketball today, though, is uh, Gigi Jackson is not going to, even if the Gamecocks don't have a good year, wins and losses wise. Uh, and look, the, let's be honest, the non-conference schedule isn't murderer's row. It's, it's got some <laughs> a few oppor- few opportunities for some good wins, but that's mm-hmm. about it. Uh, but the bottom line is, even if they don't win, it's not a – you're never going to hear Gigi Jackson selfish and alienating his teammates and stuff like that. And I, I think that's always a concern uh, when you have uh, an elite basketball player. Jamie Bradford coming up uh, after the break. But, uh, Phil, people are probably – if we look at the numbers are correct, uh, people are probably – a lot of – thousands of people, actually, are listening mm-hmm. to this on podcast format. But tell them where they can live stream us uh, every single Monday through Friday from 11 to 1 Eastern. All right. We are on YouTube at The Big Spur Pod. Please like, subscribe, and give us a uh, thumbs up on that. Uh, As well as, let's see, we're on Twitter at uh, The Big Spur Pod. It's actually The Big Spur channel on YouTube. Yeah, Three the big spur, and then yeah, the big spur bot on Twitter. We're making it real easy, and then uh, inside the Gamecocks on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's three different names, and that's uh just because of the branding here and stuff like that. Uh, I was actually fortunate that I got inside the Gamecocks. I thought that was uh, mm-hmm. something that would be taken, but it wasn't, and I don't know why. I think twi- there was a Twitter a. a, a defunct Twitter handle that was at inside the game. So I went with the big spur pod. Uh, and then the reason we're streaming on the big spur YouTube channel is it has, you know, almost 4,000 subscribers and, you know, a bigger audience and stuff like that to, to get into it and stuff. So that's why we do it like that. Um, and all. Okay. Uh, also a reminder, Friday's guest, Chris Phillips from the Spurs up show and Meredith Taylor finally jumps in uh, to join us. Uh, our number two presented exclusively by the, Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Uh, please hit them up if you're interested in commercial real estate, multifamily housing. Uh, if you're an investor or you got interest in that, uh, there's no better team to go to uh, but the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Okay, we'll be back after these messages with Jamie Bradford right here on uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues 
and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show attention golfers of all ages and skill sets former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very very soon you want to take advantage of this opportunity if you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf or even if you're looking to refine your swing Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Let's say you need catering, you need a food truck, you just need to get some delicious food to feed some people, Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament, uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Wow. Uh-huh. We're back. Can you get There's some music. <laughs> Welcome in, JB. That's funny. There we go. That's funny. Uh, oh, Eric wow. Church. Yeah, uh, we we, we got to get you some chief, man. Um, wow. Do I have to create my own intro? Is that what no. this is coming down to? 
I was Come just on, saying uh, a little earlier that uh, the wife's going to be out of town for a few days, so I'm going to have some free time, man. I'm going to put some stuff together. Here. All right. <laughs> he's watching. No, well, he's watching a Pomeranian has show papers like big okay. <laughs> Yeah, dog uh, watching two kids. It's going to be watching. fun, man. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Jamie Bradford from uh, Chief Sports Media, I guess what we're calling him now. That's what I heard. Uh, yeah, Chief's Chief. That's awesome. Uh, you know, for our weekly segment, Jamie. W- First of all, got to get your take on the topic du jour. Um, and if it wasn't August 17th, you know, two weeks before kickoff and some change, we probably, this would have died after a day. Mark Stoops. Yeah. Taking a, throwing a little shade at Shane Beamer. Um, I realize he's had a, a very, 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 very bad week with, with Cal basically trashing his program and, and infighting up there and all that good stuff. But, uh, and I guess this, this was, taped during media day. So it was really before all that stuff blew up, uh, but it got released now. So your take on him throwing shade at, uh, at Beamer. Now, first of all, hope you're feeling better, JC. Phil, good to see you. Y'all are, uh, you as well. you're doing a great job. I've got you on every day in my office and then cutting you in and out as I, as a matter of fact, I literally was just dealing with somebody and I was like, uh, it's 1227. Uh, can you give me about 25 minutes? Uh, so uh, appreciate y'all having me on again, and we're getting closer to football season. Yeah, you know, so I watched that. I, I watched the whole uh, Marty and McGee SEC East thing the other night, and and full disclosure, I, I watched the whole – I mean, I watched every coach. Uh, it, it didn't even register with me when he said what he said. Uh, and then, like, it didn't register, and then – but as I saw things kind of start to pop up on social media – I went back and watched it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I see. I see what's going on here." I, I, but I was, you know, I was just watching it, I and mean, I wasn't like totally engaged in every word that these guys were saying or anything like that. And um, and so then when I started really thinking about it, and I started thinking, "Okay, well, is there anybody? Let me just make sure that I'm in the clear on this because I'm I'm not really big on saying that somebody else is accusing somebody or saying something." And unless like you really, really have reason to believe that, you know, and so I started thinking about are there other coaches who wear funky sunglasses? Are there other coaches that are doing this, that and the other? What else has gone on out there lately that maybe he would be referencing? And then I came to the conclusion that I hadn't seen anything else like that except for Beamer's video uh, that popped what about? I don't know when that was three or four weeks ago. So, I mean, look, I, I don't have a problem with any coach that wants to tout their success and their culture like that's fine i think that's great it's what you're supposed to do it's what they all do every damn one of them talks about their culture and how they've changed the culture and or need to change the culture or whatever it may be right so that's great but i mean to go as far as to try to lump south carolina into the point that you're trying to make to me seems a little petty i mean you know you might have changed the culture but last i checked Outside of the Gamecocks, you still aren't beating anybody in the division. I mean, they're four and twenty-three versus Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee since he's taken over as head coach. Four and twenty-three, and South Carolina in that time period since twenty thirteen is nine and eighteen. Now that's not some stellar record, but it sure as hell ain't four and twenty-three. I mean, the Gamecocks have five wins against those three programs alone since twenty seventeen. So, I mean, you know, if you want to tout your culture, that's fine. That's great. They had a hell of a year last year, and maybe maybe that was the tip of the iceberg. I know they're feeling really good. They like Will Levis. They like their guys. I 
JC, like you and Phil and everybody else on the planet, have given Mark Stoops all the credit in the world. He deserves it. That program was terrible before he got there, and 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 the um, the administration deserves all the credit in the world because they gave him plenty of time to do what he needed to do in this day and age where you don't get it generally, right? But, I mean, outside of South Carolina, w- what has he done in the league? He's 17 and 28 without that seven and two record against South Carolina. That's it. I'm taking our own shot at the Gamecocks. They need to figure that crap out. That's ridiculous. But 17 and 28 without the seven and two record against South Carolina. I mean, 0 and 9 against Georgia. I wrote it all down. 2 and 7 against Florida. 2 and 7 against Tennessee. Thank God for the Gamecocks and Vanderbilt, baby. 14 and 4. Way to go, Marky Mark. So, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 look, culture, that's fine. It's talking season. It is what it is. But to lump the Gamecocks into it, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not sure about that. You know, maybe, maybe take a shot at, at Eli Drinkwitz or, or something like that uh, before you get to Shane Beamer because, I mean, your record against the Gamecocks is really good, but in the SEC, that's all you got. Yeah, I mean, they've lost twice to Vandy under Stoops. I don't think, uh, gosh, everybody has a win over Vandy and Carolina. Um, Mike Bubba would have had one if they played them at the end of the year in 2020, but Ellie, <laughs> Elliott's beaten Vandy, Spurrier, Muschamp, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys. And um, four and 23. Yeah, I was talking earlier, uh, as good as they've been against South Carolina – their performance against Tennessee, and you talk about culture, Jamie, Tennessee has had some terrible, terrible culture the last nine years, man. You're talking a place that Derek Dooley lost control, uh, Butch Jones, the champions of life culture. I mean, we all remember the Travis Haney story about them. How about freaking uh, Jeremy Pruitt? How great was that culture? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can make the argument that Vanderbilt's culture has been as good as anybody in the league, but they don't beat anybody. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. All this crap will go away in a couple of weeks when they start to actually play football again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just look. And, I, and like I pointed out, I think a lot of folks uh, that live in kind of the Gamecock vacuum, guys, uh, probably overrate Mark Stoops <laughs> just because he's beating Carolina, you know. Uh, and all that. And then, yeah, Clint points out is Chris Rodriguez part of the culture. Uh, and Colin points out a good point here, Phil. Put that up. How nice would it be to have Mississippi State as your uh, every-year opponent back? Well, that, that, that's Kentucky's. That's Kentucky's every year. Yeah, I mean, I don't – but I don't know. I mean, hey, it has been nice. Will it be nice this year? I mean, Kentucky better be careful. Mississippi State's got a shot to be – I mean, they're they, they, they they're going to beat somebody yeah. every year they're not supposed to beat with Mike Leach, if not more. So yeah. I, you know, and they they've got an interesting culture because they got the the pirate of it. Yeah, it's the same with A and M, and like Mississippi State, people don't because you know A and M again has been very dominant against the Gamecocks, but uh, Mississippi yeah. State's won something like five out of nine in that series yeah. in the SEC West. So it just depends on matchups and all that good stuff uh, with all of that. All right, so fall camp's been rolling on, Jamie. I know we all been talking to people about what's been going on. I, I continue to hear extreme positivity. Uh, I can tell you last year I did not. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you that in 2020 I did not. But uh, – I've uh, been hearing good things. Uh, so kind of just take it away and, and tell us like your 
overall thoughts right now on on uh, on fall camp here. Shoot, we've got two more of these segments to do, and then it's, or one more. Well, one more next week, and the next week is game game week. I thank God. I know it's yeah. it's almost time. We, we, yeah. we talked about the preseason wall yesterday that we all hit, and I think we're about there. So. You know, the Stoops thing really put me at it. I was like, you know what? Just everybody shut the hell up and let's play some football. Yeah, let's go play football. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Spot the thing and let's go on. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing. You know, I mean, South Carolina this year has got South Carolina State and Charlotte on their schedule, which, you know, Charlotte's an upcoming program. I have a lot of respect for Will Healy and what he's done up there. South Carolina State had a hell of a year last year. Uh, but those aren't, uh, you know, barn burner type programs. But, I mean, if you actually look and compare Kentucky and South Carolina historically, and J.C., Phil, you both know, we all know this, Um Carolina has made a real effort to actually schedule quality non-cons at times. They're, I mean, NC State, North Carolina, you know, we know what's coming down the road. Kentucky makes no effort to do that ever. They play no. a bunch of cupcakes, and then they get Louisville, and, and, and South Carolina has to play Clemson every year. I mean, Kentucky, Toledo. Toledo, Youngstown State, the school of the deaf, dumb, and blind. I mean, I, I, they have three wins built into the, into the schedule every year. So, all right. We'll get off that. As far as the this Gamecocks team goes, JC, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. You and I talk a lot. And so we we you know, we all have our sources and um I know who some of yours are and you know who some of mine are, and they're good ones and they're honest, which is most important. Uh this team so far has been pretty well prepared. And, you know, when you start to kind of poke around at a lot of a lot of what's actually going on out there on the field. You know who of the newcomers are kind of sparking some interest or getting catching some eyes. You know what what does the leadership look like? How crisp has has it been? And those type things. You're seemingly getting not just like the feel good answers, but they're also the right answers, like the answers that you want to hear. Like when you hear, "Hey, when Zach Pickens is ready to go, he's unstoppable." And that comes from a guy that you know just knows. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty good sign for the Gamecocks. Like, in what what era, what year has Carolina ever been good without being good on both lines of scrimmage? And the answer to that question is never. You can't win in the league unless you're good up front. That's it. There's no other period. The end. I mean, there's no other conversation. So when you hear that Zach Pickens is quote-unquote unstoppable. Jordan Birch is quote-unquote a man. Uh, Jordan Strawn looks really, really, really good. You flip to the other side. I was told the other day, and I'll be interested to see what happens with the right tackle because one of my sources said, hey, the most NFL-ready offensive lineman we have is Dylan Wonton, and he's looking really, really good. But Tyshawn Wanamaker is trying to take that thing from him, so it's going to be a heck of a battle, and and we'll kind of see how that works out. But all those guys have played really well, so up front – you know, they look good. Um, I know that Marshawn Lloyd, you know, the word I have is quick twitch. And when he gets going, he's gone. And they, I've kind of also gotten the feel, JC, that, look, he's been through the gauntlet, right? I mean, he, he tore that ACL and, and he came back last year and he was a little hesitant early on to kind of really get going. And there's still some of that when practice starts. You know, he'll, he'll have a snap or two where – he looks good, but it's almost like, hey, Marshawn, just kick it into gear. You're okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Thanks, Coach. And then there he goes. And that's good news. You know, the leadership has been really good. It's been a cohesive unit. Uh, and, um, you know, they 
comparatively to where they were last year at this time, it's not close. You know, they're another 100 yards down the field. So hopefully they'll be able to carry that into the first game because I hope nobody's sleeping on Georgia State. They're going to be ready for the football game. Absolutely. Talk about Jamie Bradford, uh, our weekly segment with him. That kind of goes in line with what I hear, good things about individual players and uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, that it's – because last year, you know, it, it, you hear things like Zach Pickens can be as good as he wants to be or Jordan Burst can be as good as he wants to be. And then that's usually a red flag, right, because you're like, eh. And sure enough, uh, Zach Pickens was very good in certain games. Uh, I keep saying he won the Vanderbilt game for Carolina. Uh, he and Zeb Nolan and Xavier Leggett. Because if he doesn't stop uh, the Vandy running back, which is going into the end zone uh, twice, that, that game turns out a lot different. I uh, did want to bring this up to your point about Kentucky. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri. Okay, Ole Miss, home and homes with USC, Southern Cal. Sorry, not USC, Southern Cal. BYU, Georgia Tech, and Wake. Mississippi State, Arizona State, Minnesota, Washington State, Arkansas, Notre Dame, BYU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Missouri, Kansas State, Illinois, Colorado, and they got a four-game home-and-home set with San Diego State, which that takes kahunas to schedule that, right? Yeah. Kentucky, the by far the toughest team or the, the, the winningest program outside of Louisville that they've scheduled through 2030, Toledo. Yeah, yeah. And, and, they, and they do play a road game at Akron in 2024. Oh, it's uh, a difficult place to play. So you wonder why Mitch Barnhart and those folks were raising Kane about going to nine, nine games, SEC games. That's why. They schedule completely different. Even Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to Hawaii this year, baby. Yeah. I mean, that, that Vanderbilt. So, so you schedule uh, weaker than Vandy, Okay. Vandy's got home and homes with Virginia Tech, by the way, and NC State and Stanford coming up again. Come on, man. You know, you're sitting there talking with, with that record. And, and that's just that's something the Gamecocks have to set straight. Um, well, JC, if you had his contract, would you schedule it any other way? No, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, Phil. Yeah, I mean, well, no, they have a, a formula that works for that program. I'm just like, uh, it's fine. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Okay. So, I mean, uh, just if you, if, that's your formula. It's fine, but you just expect that you're going to be criticized for it. I mean, yep. Yeah, I mean, seriously, don't. You know, everybody makes fun of. They don't play nobody. Well, Kentucky doesn't in the non-conference. Yeah. Uh, however, Louisville's recruiting at a high level, so watch them back out of that series now. Oh, we're not going to play them anymore. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna schedule. Uh, let's say uh, uh, USC Upstate has a football team now. Let's put them on eight games. Yeah. <laughs> Let them come to Lexington. Uh, all right, so any players that have sort of surprised that you've heard about, uh, maybe, and, and you may not have, uh, you may not have heard of anybody, uh, but uh, just wanted to ask you that. Uh, anybody, and everybody always asks, yeah, who's surprising? Yeah, yeah, Corey Rucker is a name that keeps coming up. Um, you know, the word that I got on him last week is he's he's quote a ball player. He's always around the plate. Matter of fact, the example that was given to me was he's going to be the guy at the end of the year that has like two really strange touchdowns, like somebody fumbled it around the 20 and he just kind of picked it up, ran it in, or, you know, someone coughed it up across the goal line and he fell on it because he's always around the ball. And, and you know, basically how that was described to me was, I mean, that those are the type of guys that that happens to. Somebody that, all right, if he has the ball, well, clearly he's around the ball. 
but he's also a guy that he knows what his job is. So, you know, if you throw it somewhere else out there, he knows what his role is. My job is to block, and here's where I'm supposed to be, and who's my guy. And if something happens, I'm right there to be able to help out and try to get that figured out. So, uh, Corey Rucker's a guy uh, whose name has continuously uh, kind of come up, and and they, from what I understand, it's going to be difficult to keep him off the field. And then on defense, Devonnie Reed. I mean, it, it's a very – it's a very uh, front-of-mind comparison because it's Jalen Foster, but you, apparently these two guys are pretty similar in their style of play and how this how he gets after it, JC. I'm not sure if you've heard the same thing, but that's that's kind of how it's been described to me is, look, he shows up every day, he plays ball, he loves, he loves ball, he's got a lot to prove, he's happy to be here in the SEC, and more importantly, he's happy to be at South Carolina. Uh, so, you know, those two guys, have, from what I understand, have kind of stood out. You know, I've been told that the the tight end room, you know, with absolutely no disrespect at all to Nick Muse, is just outstanding. And as a matter of fact, I was also told that they're going to try. They will more than likely travel four tight ends to every game that they go to on the road this year. Historically, they've taken three, but apparently, there's no way they're not going to be able to take four because all four are going to play for the most part in every game, at least early on in the season. Uh, so that's been good. And then, you know, uh, this isn't going to be a surprise, really, JC, but it should be a reassurance. Josh Van has just looked outstanding. He has looked absolutely outstanding. And he is a different Josh Van from two or three years ago, even from last year when he kind of broke through. But, you know, a couple of years ago, Michael Flint would point out on our show, man, this kid is so talented. But you could just see it sometimes when the ball's going the other way, he's not really finishing the play with whatever his responsibility was. That's not the case. This kid is totally bought into South Carolina football and not only trying to be the best receiver he can, but the best teammate he can. And I think he's going to have a really big year, probably bigger than last season. Talking with Jamie Bradford. Um, so Marcus Satterfield's always uh, – and, and Evan mentions this. He goes, I really hope Sat usual, utilizes the short passing game, slants, screens, et cetera, especially if DBs play all five receivers. Just get Bell, Wells, Rucker, or Brown the ball now. Let them make plays. That, I, they're going to do some of that. Uh, but my general question is, uh, last year obviously was a tough year on offense just from organizational standpoint, uh, all of the above adjusting uh, lots of stuff, lots of drama on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. What are you hearing on, on the, along those lines this year about, you know, because the, the word I'm getting now is cohesiveness. Yes. Uh, or more Absolutely. like uh, on this, everyone's on the same page, which is important. So uh, just kind of what you're hearing. On well, the, you know, I spent a significant amount of time with a, with a incredible source on all of this. Um, late last week, and the final two questions that I had for this this person was, how is Marcus Satterfield and how is Shane Beamer? And I'll we'll get to the Beamer part in a minute. But I said, when his response to me was, "What do you mean? How is how is Sat?" I said, "Well, how's it going? I mean, how is he doing? You know, as his second year as an offensive coordinator." He said, "Well, he understands that this is the best job he's ever had, and if he wants to continue to progress in coaching." He's going to have to excel in this position. You're an SEC coordinator. Like, there, if you are not a head coach in college football, there isn't really a better job than being a coordinator in this league in college football. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like that's it. When it comes to actually coaching ball, you're an SEC offensive coordinator. You're one of only 14, man. So, um, 
what I got was it's been, quote, awesome. He's been really good. Uh, the staff has worked really well together. Uh, they get in there. They talk about things. Yes, he's the offensive coordinator. But, J.C., Phil, as you have long known, uh, sometimes being an offensive coordinator, the most important job you could have is just to listen and see what other people have to say um, because different sets of eyes see different sets of things. I mean, it was pointed out to me, you know, Justin Stepp, I mean, this guy is a wealth of knowledge, probably a future offensive coordinator. And not only is he a brilliant mind, but he's been around brilliant minds. He's been in the league. I mean, he was at Arkansas. He's worked his way up. He knows the state. He understands the players, the whole nine yards. We all know what his story is. Guys like Justin Steph have a voice. And I think that, you know, the Freddie Kitchens hire, like, really, you know, kind of opened a lot of eyeballs. Oh, gosh, you know, him and Sat are going to be able to do a lot of this stuff together. And while that all may be true, they have a lot of other guys on the staff that are really, really good. I mean, Coach Atkins has good ideas. Steph has good ideas. Hardesty's really come into his own. Jody Wright. I mean, these guys are – they all bring up something a little bit different, and Satterfield has has allowed for this kind of collective, um, you know, collective or, or this collaboration of ideas to kind of formulate into one room and to continue to build this offense the best that it can be. I mean, it's so improved last year from a talent standpoint and from a depth standpoint and experience standpoint. So, you know, for everything I've heard is Marcus Satterfield has just been a treat to work with. The players have enjoyed him. The recruits enjoy him. The staff enjoys him. And I really hope that when it gets to game day – and, and hey, by the way, this sounds like a fluff piece, and I understand that because I totally get every fan out there that's going, I hear you, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Like, I get that. I mean, we we all feel that way. I mean, I promise you that the staff probably feels that way. Like, yeah, all right, it's better. But we have to see it actually better on the field. That's got to translate into wins. and uh, But it seemingly, at this point, uh, they're on the right track to at least get there, and, and we'll see what it looks like on game day. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's the thing. And I think, too, um, you know, you hear things. And, and this is what's awfully tough for college coaches, JB. It's like you don't have scrimmages. You, right. you really – you can kind of speculate within – 70 to 80% accuracy at times, how your team's going to perform against uh, opponents. But but you're not in their camp. You don't know what's going on there. Uh, you got film you can watch, but that's from a previous season. Uh, it, it really is sort of a mystery. So I always tell everybody, I'm like, look, if, if, if when I'm talking in the preseason, man, I'm talking about, you know, who is going to be good for the Gamecocks? Who's going to start for the Gamecocks? Who's having a good camp? Uh, for the Gamecocks, so where those are the guys that right now they're going to count on. It really would be disingenuous of me to say this guy matches up great with Georgia or Arkansas or whoever, you know. So, sure. so that's it right there. But yeah, um, I, I'm totally with you. Uh, well, I mean, and I think JC. I mean, like, what was on defense? This is how you can judge progress until you actually see it, right? We have no way to judge it outside of what we're told by the people that, that we trust. But last year going into the season on defense, what was personally, both of you, what was your biggest concern? Which which level of the defense? Center and linebackers for me. What, last year? What about yeah, you, Jason? Year. I mean, mine was a secondary. I'd have to go I'm with the sure. second, secondary mm -hmm. on that, but linebackers were very close because I just mm – -hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know how Sherrod would bounce back from injury. Come to find out, he got injured again. And then, you know, Brad Johnson holding on to that spot was a 
surprise to me. But it was it had to be the secondary man because you're counting on Jalen Foster and Darius Rush. I mean, yeah, we didn't we didn't know guys, we didn't you know nobody knew we didn't even know that Cam Smith was going to do what he did last year. Like we we didn't know anything. We'd at least seen the linebacker core. We hadn't really seen any of those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the difference this year is, dude, our secondary is good. Like that those those words I just used. I said, well, how's the secondary doing, dude? Our secondary is good, and I said. So, well, you know about Cam Smith. The next words were, there's Rush. He's a stud. And, JC, you and I talked about this about a month ago. I don't know if you remember that. You probably had a couple beers that night. But (laughs) I I literally said to you, I think this secondary is going to be as good as Darius Rush. If Darius Rush is good, they'll be good. But if he's not, or if he struggles, they're probably going to struggle at times. So, if Darius Rush is having a camp, which it sounds like he is, then that's probably a really, really, really good sign. Well, yeah, I mean, the kid is – I mean, he's 6'2", 190 pounds, runs 4'4", and has long arms. I mean, he's he's built. And this is another reason why you don't give up on people. Here, here's something interesting. Two of Lance Thompson's recruits, Sherrod Green and Darius Rush, are both starters on this defense. Yeah. <laughs> so, people, people that say, well, Lance couldn't recruit here. Well, he got two guys that are starters right now anyway. Uh, and look, I, I think you, you bring up a good point with the rush because I don't think they're starting dial Cam Smith and Darius if he's not having a good camp. Jamie, good to be with you today, bud. Uh, we're out of time. It, it, there's yeah. really not enough. We can sit here and talk for hours, but uh, okay. uh, we only got, yeah. like I said, that, that's kind of interesting. Uh, both of you guys, there's only one more segment with JB and then it's game week. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's gonna be here before you know it. By the way, last nugget I'll throw in is Shane Beamer is pretty comfortable in his shoes this year. That's for sure. Uh, we we see it on social media, but behind the scenes, he's the word delegate keeps coming up. Shane's finally telling people, "Hey, you do this. I'm not doing it. You do it." Yeah. That's that's when you know you're starting to figure it out as head coach. But really appreciate everybody. Great, great to see everyone, and uh, look forward to doing it again if uh, if Phil will have me on. Oh, thank you, JB. Anytime, oh, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Jamie. Take care, Phil, bro. Phil's the, Phil's the, the link sender. Yeah, I'm yeah the he's the guy that you got to keep happy. I ain't worried about you. Does that uh, make me the key master? If, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kissing you, Phil. Yeah, if you oh, don't. If you don't. Michael Flint, he comes on tomorrow, man. I just got it Yeah, this morning. He got back. Oh, Flint? Yep, oh, Flint's boy. On tomorrow. <laughs> Here we go. That's yeah, right. Ask Cam this TV there. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Thanks to Jamie Bradford for joining us. He joins us every Wednesday. Wow, I didn't, that, that just hit me. Kind of just figured it out right here that uh, we've only got one more segment with JB, and then uh, we're out. Uh, all right, thanks to all of all of you. And uh, so Flint's coming on tomorrow. Yeah, man. But where when, when is he coming in? Oh, let me check. I think it's eleven thirty. Ah, so Michael Flint, former Gamecock receiver, joining us tomorrow. He's uh, yeah. obviously was a, a part of the big Gamecock preview show with JB and I last year. And we're going to have Flint on uh, as much as we can uh, this year. So this is a, uh, an outstanding, outstanding uh, lineup this week. And then on oh, Friday, Chris Phillips and Meredith Taylor will join us. So lots of good guests uh, coming up here on inside the Gamecocks, the show, but we're out of time, out of time. And Clint, I want to talk about Hardesty's running back rotation uh, with you uh, tomorrow. So remind me. Uh, thanks to all of you that participated on the Nana Sports chat line, the IELTS consulting mailbag. Uh, please hit those things up. Please patronize our sponsors and please join us tomorrow on Inside the Game Cox the Show. 
where we will have Michael Flint and more fun and Gamecock SEC college sports talk right here. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, have a wonderful day, everyone.